This is Rebecca Anzalag, actress and producer, and you are listening to the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, producer and actor, Rebecca Amzaleg. Rebecca, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, finally. You know, after a lot of phone tag and a lot of, yeah, this day. No, not this day. So finally, we got yeah. to talking. <laughs> Six months later, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. You know, this is a positive thing. It means we're both busy. Yes, great. yes, yes. How's how's everything in your neck of the woods? Everything's great. So wait, do you li- you don't live in New York anymore. No, um, I lived in New York uh, three years ago. I used to live in, okay. Ma- in the Upper West Side in Manhattan, but I moved now to uh, the lovely Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. So I'm out here oh, cool. now in the Midwest, yeah. How about yourself? I'm, I'm in Toronto, but I was just in New York last week, and when I go to New York, I stay in Harlem. Oh, really? So what? that's yeah. great. I mean, it's just a little bit higher up than you, but yeah, I love uh, I love the Upper West. Yeah. It's very fun. Yeah, um, I I grew up in Harlem. Where exactly in Harlem do you, you stay? Did? Yeah. That's I, so fun. I was at uh, I was on 122nd. Oh, okay. I'm from mm-hmm. I'm from originally 110 and Fifth Avenue. Um, by wow. It's like it's like those two big buildings. It looks like it looks like a weird version of the Twin Towers. I don't know. Is the old <laughs> right in the opening That's of East Harlem? Yes, East Harlem. Yes, yes. Oh, you're familiar. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. I love walking through. It's the best. Yeah, East Harlem's awesome. Yeah. What's um uh, speaking about Harlem? Like, what's the what's like? What's your go-to area like to get breakfast and snacks? Like, where do you go? So well. Um, I was there, and we, my partner and I, we really, um, he's also an actor, his name is Jonathan, and we really had a very soul food visit. So we ate, like, I I just needed grits in my life, so where did we go? We went to a couple places. We went to that one place that's, like, very well-renowned. I have a terrible memory with Sylvia's? We went to Sylvia's. Yeah. We went to another place um, that was... Oh gosh, I forget me remembering it, but it was so good. We had like a a shrimp frittata. It was amazing. It was so good. Wow. I didn't know the place, but wow, was really good. That 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 sounds amazing. Oh my god. Yeah, and like fried chicken for breakfast is all I want in my life. So really, oh my god, fried chicken for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Well, I know. <laughs> who am I to talk? Because sometimes when I have like I uh, order a pizza, I'll have cold pizza for breakfast with like. <laughs> breakfast of champions as they say you know <laughs> it's true and i eat so uh well when i'm at home mm-hmm. that when i'm on vacation it's just like i kind of go to town yeah so. oh so your your name i'm amzaleg you said that's moroccan right so you're you're full moroccan, yeah my dad is a jewish moroccan uh-huh and he grew up in uh, he was born in casablanca and then um his mother's french so we're I, my family were French and Moroccan and Canadian. Wow, that's a very interesting combination, too. Yeah, it's fun. Because also, when I lived in New York, I lived in Astoria, and that's a big Moroccan population over there, too. Yes. Big. Very fun. 
very good food. Yeah, and, and hot tea, you know, yeah. um, um, the the the, the mint the, and the sweet mint green tea, so good. Yeah, yeah, and 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 a lot of barber shops and a lot a lot a lot of food. Like they're very, they're very night owls. I I would say that because yes. they're <laughs> always partying and, and always up late. Welcoming, but they want to chat forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet. Wow. So um, having that mixture in your blood, like, do you have a, I think you have a lot of uh, qualities for liking a lot of different things, right? Like, you know, you're open-minded to trying new things. I guess so. I'd say so. I mean, what's kind of cool is that um, because, I don't know if it's because of the multicultural kind of parenting, but we moved around a lot when we were little. We moved around every about, uh, like, five, six years. We'd kind of... Um, we went from Canada to France to different parts of Canada and, um, in our, in the summertime, we'd be always in the States. So it's kind of nice to have that. It's like, you just, as opposed to kind of being totally immersed, you just kind of get to witness different cultures, different paces of life. It's fun. Wow. That's awesome. Um, where, where the, exactly did you move around to? So I was born in Montreal. Okay. Um, and uh, when I was six, we moved to right outside Paris in France. And, wow. um, and then we moved back to Canada, but we moved to um, the outskirts of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally we lived on a, I don't know, five acre lot of forest where like it was like, I don't know, 10 miles from the closest like corner store. You know, very little neighbors, like very, very cool. But like as a teenager, you're like, oh, I'm going to die. And then after that, we moved back to Montreal and I spent 10 years there because I finished high school there and went to college there and and it was good. And then I moved back to Toronto because as far as being an actor is concerned in Canada, you want to be in Toronto. It's like the best. It's the third largest center of film in North America after... Atlanta and LA. Oh, that's, that's true because there's a lot of shows that are shot in in Toronto, right? There's a lot of so many. Yeah, yeah, and, and Star Trek. I mean, come on. <laughs> and and I think half of the CW shows, right? Like Arrow, Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh. Arrow is in Vancouver. Oh, okay, Vancouver. Okay. But we have like Suits was in Toronto. We have The Boys, the new Amazon show. Oh. Um, we have, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I should be be able to name more off the, off the cuff, but we have a lot. Like, we have American Gods. We have also a lot of really cool sci-fi stuff. Like, so that's really fun because people get super excited about it. Yeah. And it's it's I like the kind of shows that have, like, I mean, I don't want to call them cult followings, but that's what, you know, yeah. they're referred to as. And it's... Uh, it's really fun because then you have the most passionate fans. That's true, and you have a a, um, a steady gig because those shows last a couple of seasons. So you know that's yeah, pretty much a steady sure. gig. Um, and Netflix is also setting up like a a huge studio here. So that's probably one of the most exciting things is that there's so many Netflix shows that are shot here. Wow! And like they do so well because there's such a. First of all, the crew, like the quality of crew in Toronto, is very very high. And so we have a lot of actors, yeah, but, like, I mean, a lot of American shows will bring a lot of American actors with them. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's, like, Toronto's a really easy place to get to from everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's, when you're on the West Coast, it's far, so it's far for people to come from the West Coast, but they're used to it. You know what I mean? So it's, like, it's good if you want anybody European, anybody from all over the States, it's, like, very central. 
Mm-hmm. And it has the reputation for being very cold as well, right? It's cold. You know what? If you lived in New York, it's the same thing. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's exactly like Montreal and like a lot of other parts of Canada are really cold. <laughs> I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Oh, yeah. You can, you can say whatever you want. Yes. You can swear. Really fucking cold. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they get a lot of snow. We get a lot less here. Oh, okay. It's really very much like New York. Like once in a while you get an insane amount of snow, but that's why also another reason I moved here. I was like, it is so less cold. Um, the type of cold is different. Mm-hmm. It's like much more of a gets in your bones cold. Montreal's a dry cold, but it's way colder. Wow. Yeah, you know, because I, I hear a lot of people talk about Canada, how wonderful it is, and they love the, what's their famous coffee, the Tim Hortons coffee, right? Uh, That's <laughs> It's like, that is, that is, it's terrible. It's terrible? <laughs> it's equivalent, like, it's not terrible, it's great. But it's like Dunkin' Donuts, it's like, it's rocket fuel. Oh, It's like okay. gonna get you through the day, super caffeinated. But it's like a really lovely place. Although, I won't lie, Burger King bought the, the company a couple years ago, so it's become a little bit more fast food, which is fine, because that's lovely. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, Tim Hortons is great. It's just more culturally, like, very... Very Canadian, very, like, with hockey, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, it's very, everybody I know, every actor I know has been in a Tim Hortons commercial. Like, it's wonderful. It's, like, a, a, kind of, like, one of our McDonald's, you know? Yeah. Um, tell, so tell me about your career in acting. Like, what led you to, you know, because everybody, there's a lot of people who have a lot, a lot of different passions, a lot of different dreams, and a lot of people want to do different things. But what led you wanting to be in the world of entertainment and the world of acting? Um, I, uh, I, I, I always wanted to be an actor. I knew that, but, um, uh-huh. it wasn't really encouraged because, you know, um, my family, they're, they're very into you being, having a profession, like being an accountant, being a doctor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of us going off and doing the, see the, the, and this is what I've internalized. Who knows what actually happened, but. To me, it always seemed like um, capricious mm-hmm. to become an actor. It seemed like, oh, okay, when will you when will you be done with your phase of like self interest? You know. Yeah. Um. So, so I've had to do a lot of therapy to accept that this is what I'm doing with my life. But I've always wanted to be an actor, and I did like, you know, uh, plays when I was little, and then musical theater and stuff like that. And I really, I really enjoyed it. But uh, it always. I guess I put on uh, like a shadow on it that it was not, a, you know, a, a valid thing to do with yourself. That it was a, like kind of a self-centered waste of time, mm-hmm. which, you know, it can be. Um, but then, so my my parents were kind of clear about. Um, my brother's also an actor, so you know, it's kind of nice. He's my older brother, and we we were able to kind of have parallel experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, because we both got diplomas in different things. And we both went to university. We both, you know, got, I mean, I, he was, I think, in political science. I was in linguistics to go into speech pathology, which I also find fascinating. Wow. Um, but, you know, when I, when I was younger, I did a lot of commercial modeling. And so I did that on the side. So I was, you know, involved in being on sets and involved in, you know, understanding what it's like to, you know, show up for a job and stuff like that. But I and my brother and I, we both took acting classes in Montreal and we were, you know, one foot in, one foot out because we had this uh, kind of 
parental pressure to not really go to the arts. And at the same time, you know, when you want to do something, I feel, I feel a lot of compassion for my, <laughs> for my dad and my dad's siblings. So many of the children in, um, in my, in my generation, uh, in our family have become artists. Mm-hmm. My sister is an amazing stylist. Um, my brother and I are both actors, but our cousins, like one of them is uh, part of a band called Slim and the Beast. And he's also a lyricist for many other, um, Artists. My other cousin is a world famous DJ. He's in a, um, a DJ duo called Justice with Ed Banger Records. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, they're amazing. So it's like all of these. And then my other cousin is a DJ as well. Um, so we've all kind of gone to the arts. And my other cousin actually is. I'm now I'm thinking about it as we're talking. She's a photographer and a stylist. None of us got like safe jobs. And wow. I say safe with my quotation, my air quotes, but you can't see us. <laughs> Uh, but w- eventually when I was, I think, 25, mm-hmm. I was hosting a show under a different name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because, I, because I knew it was hosting, and hosting wasn't what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, but I, uh, it's a great show. It's called The Daily Brief. It was for AskMen.com. I worked with a couple of my friends who are really, really great and really good at creating content. Um, Peter Schwartz and uh, Michael Shepard. And these guys are really funny, really creative. And um, uh, they made this kind of, it's like a three to five minute show where you present kind of current news. But in a, just like, there's so many of these. But that was my first kind of experience of being on camera, you know, three times a week or whatever. So that was really helpful to me. And then I did that for about a year and realized, okay, like, this could be potentially positive. I got a, a wonderful agent in Montreal. So it all kind of happened in a sense of like, I wanted to do it for a really long time, didn't really have the balls. And then um, when it started kind of showing up that it could be something that I could try, I decided to move to Toronto because there's just a greater center for film and TV here. And um, I have been here, you know, putting the work in ever since. Wow. It's amazing how people say that, like, you know, some people want to move to California, but you you moved to Toronto. So, you know, it's so... It makes more sense. Yeah. So, listen, I'm, a, I'm a, a very kind of, like, I need numbers. I need things to make sense. Uh-huh. Um, if you go to California, first of all, as a Canadian, so let's say you've gotten a visa. Yeah. You get a visa. It is a minimum of five grand to get a visa. You mm-hmm. go to California. Let's say... By miracle, you have representation. It's really, really hard to get an agent or a manager in California. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say even with like the work I have, I have a friend of mine who has done more work than I have, like has more credits, has more you know experience. She couldn't get an agent. She couldn't get a, a manager. It's really, really difficult, especially nowadays when you're white, mm-hmm. when you're a woman in your like mid thirties or late twenties. There's this is like there's a lot of us. Mm-hmm. So. If you go to California, yeah, there's more shooting there, but you've got, I can't tell you how much more competition. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So there's something they say here amongst people who talk about going to LA and it's like, I'd like to be invited. Mm. You know? Yeah. Which I really respect. Like a manager reached out to me a year and a half ago and we back and forth a bit and then nothing came of it. But I'm like, okay. I remember what it feels like to have somebody reach out to you because they're like, I've seen your stuff. I understand, you know, your value and, and let's start this conversation. 
but to go hunting, there's nothing more painful. Oh, no. The only thing more painful than getting not getting parts is trying to find representation. It is agonizing. Oh my god. It seems so yeah. stressful, right? It's like so stressful in a way like, you know, you're you're in the creative arts, but in a way it's kind of stressful to get work, right? As well. Oh, it is. It's very it's like it's um, you know, I hear people who <clears throat> very luckily keep working and, you know, and the thing is it's also perspective. If I look at if I look back on what I've done, it's like, yeah, I've consistently worked every year. I've gotten paid for my work every year. I get increasingly larger parts, but in when you're just sitting with yourself on your couch waiting for your phone to ring, it feels terrible. Mm. I was just listening to, uh, I don't know if you listen to Dax Shepard's podcast. Oh, I've heard, I, I've heard of his podcast. I hear like Michael Rosenbaum and whatnot, but I haven't heard Dax Shepard's. How, what's his podcast about? It's called Armchair Expert. He just interviews people and it's, it's lovely. Um, this woman, Monica, I forget her last name, also is kind of like a, a second like a second person there too. So it's nice to have like a three person conversation. Okay. Um, and uh, she, they were talking to Charlie Day, who I love. Oh, okay. And he was saying that he got to work immediately. You know, he really was lucky. As soon as he came out of school, he just got consistently hired. And it's like that is the dream. Yeah. That... And uh, that doesn't always happen for everybody. And it's also like. There's so much more to, I think, feeling good within your work. It's like, okay, yeah, am I getting work? Um, do I have enough, you know, uh, self-love to trust that I'll get work again? Um, am I financially responsible with the money I do make? Or am I always, like, you know, uh, waiting on a paycheck? Yeah. So it's like all these things, like, create your happiness as an actor. And it's, it's like, also, do you feel seen and heard by your by your representation, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 uh it's it's an amazing thing and when you see well-adjusted people like actors who have families or or actors who like are able to get mortgages and stuff like that you're like wow i know how much strength it requires for you to kind of be like because feast and famine you got to have a lot of self-trust and and discipline and like uh just just wherewithal that you know it's gonna keep going yeah Wow, like in a way we have insurance, which yeah, is great. Yeah. I say in a way it seems it seems like not steady and steady at the same time and is also difficult too because you always have to find work, you have to look for work and then it's always on to the next job, on to the next job once this job yeah. is completed, right? Yeah, and it's like um, you know the question there's always a question when you're working on a project with people are like, "Oh, do you have anything lined up?" <laughs> and you either do or you don't and and but either way you know you're just like uh it, it changes over time there used to be for me a lot of a lot of shame and fear if i didn't have something lined up yeah no i don't feel as bad about it because i'm like i know something will come again you know what i mean there's years where friends of mine will book one thing versus the year before they book like five things and it's like i can see how how much of a how much of a you know test in faith that is, but, but this is the this is the thing we chose. Like it's not there's very very little glamour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you've done a lot of shorts and you've done you've done TV series as well. Um, is yeah. there a particular a, a, a particular um um set that you prefer to do more than the other, or the work comes you take you take anything that comes along or. 
Yeah, you know, I pretty much take anything that comes along if the role is like, uh, you know, very few times do I turn something down. Um, okay. I love working more than anything. I love, I really like working. I think what would make me not work would be if like the vibes were bad, but very, so the thing is, it's I was, a friend of mine who um, is a woman I know from Montreal who, who wrote Book Club. Okay. You know, she was an actress before, and her name is Erin, and um, she was an actress before, and she told me something once we were just, like, I don't see her often, we're not close friends or anything, but she was talking about, you know, by the time the actors are auditioning in the room, she's like, you have no idea how many years we've put in. The fact that the movie is even being made is a miracle. The fact that they got money is a miracle. The fact that they finished the script, that they got other people attached to it, these are all miracles. So all anybody wants when you walk into the room is for the words that you're saying to sound like the character in my head. Mm -hmm. And like that alleviates so much pressure because you're just like, oh, okay, it's really not about my, you know my little poor Rebecca ego self. It's really like, okay, these people have this giant machine that they're so happy is actually happening. So what happens is you, when you get on set, everyone usually, in my experience, and again, I have like a pretty, I think everybody's always having like happy thoughts. Yeah. Whereas I have friends who are like, no, everybody hates everybody. It's like, no, they're all really <laughs> pumped to be here. Um, everybody's worked so hard to get there. So, making the movies like the miracle part it's like the tip of the iceberg you know so it's i find that whenever you get to a set whether it's a short whether it's a tv show in like its second season or the fear of the first season getting renewed or like the first the fact that like for example on different seasons you have different directors and they're all trying to do a good job it's like everybody's coming trying to do good work so usually like people are really uh, enthusiastic, gung-ho, you know what I mean? I'm sure that if you're doing a soap in its 14th season, it might be different, but I haven't experienced that. Yeah. But, you know, and, and hopefully I will. I'd love to experience, you know, all the different types of, of sets. But I love a medium-sized set. Not too small, because that way nobody's exhausting themselves, mm -hmm. but not too big that you feel like you're in a machine, you know? Yeah. And, then you know, it's... You know, like you said, and I, you know, I, I looked at your IMDb, and you do get consistent work, and um, uh, your roles are very different. Is there like, you know, is there like, is there a particular role that you won't do, or you're game for anything? You know, I'm pretty game for everything. Like, I, I know people talk about, you know, uh, um, not wanting to play. Like, I have a friend who's played bad men recently. Like, he's played. Um, you know, somebody who's like uh, a wife beater and a rapist and he's afraid to get cast or seen as that. And I'm like, I don't think anybody in this day and age, it's not like there's like, you know, the idea of four channels, everybody watches the same thing. I'm like, first of all, people aren't seeing this stuff, you know, they're just, you know, they're just like, oh, this person worked on this project. I've heard this project is good. Or if perhaps they've seen it, they're like, that actor was like compelling, you know, nobody, I don't think that anybody pigeonholes you as something. The truth is when I was younger, um, you get, uh, it's, and I'm, I really find no blame in the actual casting process of objectifying women for the way they look because that's part of what the appetite in our viewership has been. So that's the thing. Is it's like I can be angry all I want, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, well, no, the public 
wants to see this, that's why it's being made. What's happening now is that the public is asking for something different, and that's why film and TV is changing. Um, because trust me, if like people were, you know, going through all of the all of the producers, actors, directors who are female are going and working really hard at making like female-driven stories and nobody was watching them and nobody liked them and nobody thought they were interesting, it would have stopped already. The only reason it's working is because the audience, the public, is like, yeah, this is great, I'm watching. Like, I don't know if you've seen the new um, Netflix miniseries Unbelievable with Toni Collette and um, the other woman whose name I forget who is amazing. Did you see this? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it it's, yet. Oh. It's really good. It's about uh, a rape case, and um, I'm actually going to look up her name because I keep... Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Her name is Merritt Weaver. Do you know Merritt Weaver? She's so good. No. Oh, wow, no. Yeah, it's a great show. It's um, the young woman who was in Booksmart um, with... Uh, Beanie Feldstein, Fields Feldstein, Beanie the other Feldstein. one. Okay. Um, she, she's great. So the, the these, it's really a female-driven story. It's uh, without being on the nose. It's just like a story, and it was great. But everybody's talking about it. I haven't been in a you know in a circle where people aren't talking about this this show, um, and it's it wouldn't work if it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So I think that more than anything, like there was a whole period of you know five to ten years where. I was seen for parts that were, you know, more about how I looked than mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's okay. It's also, my skill has grown a lot. I, I didn't come into, some actors come into acting being really natural and really good. Yeah. I had to work really hard <laughs> to be any good. And, um, and I continue to have to work hard. Yeah, I and I see you evolved your look over the years. You had longer hair. You cut your hair. You know, you changed mm-hmm. your look. Is that like a conscious decision? Like you know how some people don't want to change their look because they feel that look, you know, will attract certain, you know, I guess mm-hmm. casting casting agents, casting directors with the short hair look. Do you feel like you get any more work with short hair than you did with long hair, or it doesn't make a difference? So, well, you know, it does make a humongous difference, and it is a choice that goes in with a lot of thought. Um, okay. But the thing is, so there's something of an, and a, a lot of my friends who are now in their mid-30s have cut their hair. So I cut my hair a couple years ago. I think, uh, yeah, I think I just turned 30 when I cut my hair. Um, but for me, I've always wanted to have short hair. But the pressure is, if you have nice hair, which I have lovely hair, um, <laughs> when it's long, yeah. you get to, like, beautiful women have long hair in mm. our, like, there, there's, like, this, this, I don't know if it's untrue. You tell me, what do you, when you, when you think of a woman that you're interested in, do you, do you find long hair more attractive? Hmm. What does long hair mean to you? Um... It, you know, it's it's it, um to me it's all subjective. It depends because Ru- Ruby Rose is gorgeous and she has really really yeah. short hair. And then there's you know, there's like the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world with long hair. I, I, I guess you know what it is. I don't think I'm attracted to the hair. I guess it's the mm-hmm. face. Is the the first thing I see to be honest with you is the eyes and the face and then the mm-hmm. body. So like it it depends on. It, it depends how the person is carrying herself. To me, the hair yeah. the hair is like secondary, but. Like I said, it's all subjective, and that's just my opinion. But 
It's yeah, no, and I'm with you, and I agree with you. I think that it's it, that it also like the the way somebody carries themselves. Yeah, which is like really, if we if we think about it, the first thing we see is posture and body shape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're looking at. So what I, uh, it's kind of interesting. It's like I don't know if I. I how old are you? I'm forty two. Forty two. So I don't know if you relate to this. Like as I, you know, have gotten a bit a little bit less. Youthfully self-conscious. It's like, what do I feel like I want? What kind of sits well with me? What do I feel is more representative of who I am? And mm. um, because I grew up in France, and I feel very, you know, very, very French, um, and very proudly Canadian. But Canadian, I'm more proud to be Canadian in a sense of like it's a very, very beautiful country as far as it's um, like public health as far as its quality of life as far as its ideology like I'm very proud to be Canadian in that way but as far as culturally I'm, I, I feel a sense of pride of being French and um, my haircut <laughs> is really resonant with that you know what I mean it's like yeah. it's very much of, of this sense of woman um, not seeking like somebody to think you're this or that because long hair for me is a little bit of a saying, look at me, I'm beautiful. Wow. It's a bit of a, and I don't mean this for anybody with long hair. It's just like, but it is such, um, it's such a suit. It's such a, it's such a, it's such a, like, it's like when you have really beautiful jewelry, like you can have really beautiful hair. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such a feminine, such a, such a strong connotation of like beauty such a strong connotation of like um attractive woman yeah so to cut off your hair is a risk you know what i mean you gotta be like okay i hope i'm okay after this i hope what's left of me after i cut off my (laughs) hair is enough but it's it's you know it sounds a bit trivial when i'm talking about it but it's really like a lot of women that i've spoken with their self-esteem lies in their hair you know Wow, that's that that that's very yeah. that's very interesting. You saying that because, you know, like yeah, I, like I know women who will never cut will never cut their hair because they love their hair. But I never I never looked at it from that perspective. But um, I guess I don't know. I guess some people are just afraid to cut their hair because they have such long hair, and then that's almost like mm-hmm. their key. That's almost like their characteristic. That's part of their character mm-hmm. is their hair. So getting rid of that is probably hard. But. Um, I don't know. Like I've never thought of it that way, though. But I, I guess I don't. I don't have. Yeah. I don't have long hair, so I, I guess I couldn't relate. So, but yeah, I, I guess I can see what you're saying, though. It's it's yeah. it's interesting. But like, do you feel that? For example, like when yeah. men are balding, I don't think anything of them. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not like, oh, you're less hot because your you know your hairline's receding or your hair is thinning. I'm I'm like, I care about their I care about their level of confidence, their carriage, their movements. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's funny. It's like you're saying pretty much the same thing, but at, over here we're, we're thinking that that that's not actually true. Yeah. It is about our hair, just the way men think it's not actually true. It is about their hairline, you know. Well, well yeah, I, I I could see that, but it's also it's like like you said also is the way you carry yourself because there's a lot of women that find Vin Diesel sexy and he has a big receding hairline and he just shaves yeah. his head. He just shaves his head bald. The you know Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, yeah. you know, there's a lot. Even Patrick Stewart, you know, like yeah. it, it's it's all how you carry yourself because even Patrick Stewart is older and there's a lot of women that are attracted to that because he's very suave 
suave. It's very confident, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah, they and the hair exactly. is like and the hair is like secondary. It's like okay, he doesn't yeah. have hair, but I love the way he carries himself. I love the way he talks. I love the way he enunciates his words. You know, I just love yeah. you know. I guess it's a matter of perspective. I guess too, you know. Yeah, big time. Wow, wow! I, I, I yeah. never th I never thought of it that way though. But that's that's interesting. <laughs> So like, so like for in your case, like when you carry yourself, like you don't very, you don't dress provocatively like that. To like, you know, you don't, you don't, I don't know, like you don't dress like a certain way to attract a certain kind. You just dress in your in your style, and you know, uh -huh. you, you attract people from your words and the way you talk, right? But you know, you also have a distinctive yeah. look as well. So yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, that is also. Not that I think about it a lot, but it's uh, it's something that's inevitable that it comes up. But it's like, what is also the current fashion is going way more towards um, a very loose kind of the '90s look that was boxy, not the '90s looks that '90s look that was slutty. And so, <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, I'm in my 30s, and I and I don't necessarily have the same craving for the same attention there's it's it, i'm I, like i'm i'm sounding not shallow i've experienced being very shallow in my life because it's like you really think that when when all else fails if you're a good looking woman you can at least get validation there so everything will be okay but what happens is that validation that, that you know that that one can get doesn't really do the trick mm -hmm. so i mean i dress the way i like um for sure, I like to get experimental. Like if I do a photo shoot with somebody, and we usually go and what's really fun with working with photographer, photographers is that you can pick a theme. Mm -hmm. And um, the type of photographers I love to work with are the kinds who have like strong opinions. So you come in, like I'll bring in some outfits. They'll be like, yes, no, no, yes. Mm -hmm. But so we we kind of work together, and so you'll see like day to day. Yeah, I dress like a you know twelve year old boy, but like. I'm really open to playing all kinds of different parts when when doing photo shoots, and I love doing photo shoots. So yeah, because photo shoots basically is like you're releasing your inner beast almost, right? Because you could definitely exactly. <laughs> yeah, you could play around, you could be sexy, you could be demure, you could you know you know have your hair styled a different way, less makeup, more makeup, and you know the yeah. seductive looks, the the mouth biting, the the lip biting. I mean, the mouth open, the mouth closed. So. Yeah. You know, it, it's almost like an illusion, right? You're just playing with... It is. Yeah. And it's fun, and some people don't like it, and I'm just like, cool, man. Like, they probably get their kicks in different ways. I really enjoy it. I really like the collaboration. It's really fun. Oh, awesome. And um, um, do you have to keep yourself a certain way? Like, you know, you, like, um, personally, like, do you watch, like, your figure where you're like, oh, I'm gaining weight, I got to slow down what I eat or whatever? Or you really, at this point, you don't really care? Or, like, how does that... Like, you know, with your career, how does that work with, like, weight gain and not weight gain? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's funny. When I was younger, up until probably, like, 26, 27, I'd go between being anorexic and being non-anorexic. So you have, like, periods of just being, like, crazy, crazy obsessed with weight. So, uh, you know, it's there's such a there's such a diet mentality and when you it's not even about being in this business anymore in the sense of like you have to look a certain way because especially at my level where I imagine for leads it's really important to stay a certain size but when you're not a lead you're going for all different types of parts mm -hmm. um, 
so I went through hell with that, like straight up hell. And um, I would go and I would get better. Um, I would like reestablish a positive way and a, like a clean way of eating, like with help from people. Um, and then I'd go back to hell where I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna diet for this long and it'll be great. And then it's always hell because you get stuck in the cycle. Um, but now and in the past, I'd say I don't know six six years. It's been really great because. You know, I, 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 this doesn't. This is all stuff that um, requires a lot of work, requires a lot of therapy, requires a lot of like self-love, a lot of daily work. And so, like, I don't. I, this is not like light stuff because when you get to the point where I'm in a great place with food, I also eat paleo because oh, I have arthritis okay. in my hands. Oh wow! So I've okay. seen. Yeah, it's it's like a blessing and a curse. Um, my um. My nutritionist, because I asked her, I was like, listen, I've had arthritis in my hands since I'm about 29, and it's really painful. So I've asked, I've tried all kinds of things. I've tried all kinds of supplements, um, and I will say glucosamine chondritin works great, but you have to take it three times a day. So my, uh, my nutritionist recommended that I try a paleo diet because anything anti-inflammatory will reduce the pain. Mm. So unless I'm in... Harlem eating fried chicken for breakfast, which I'm very into. Yeah. I'm usually eating like I eat. I eat very well. Um, and But what happens is that you feel great. Yeah. So that's the thing is it's like once you start doing eating paleo enough or whichever way works for you according to your health constraints. Like I know people eat different ways because they have different problems. Like, you know, if, if gluten is a problem. If people, like I have friends who have Crohn's, like that's a different whole set of things. Uh, so you eat for your body, you feel so good that you don't want to eat any other way. No. It's like I sleep perfectly. I wake up so happy. My skin is good. Like it's so, it's such a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But what happens is also because I eat so well, I don't really carry any like excess weight. So it's funny. It's like only since I've stopped being crazy about my food that like I get to be in a place where I feel great I also work out a fair amount but I never hurt my body because I'm like I, I have sensitive bones and so I do yoga every morning to take care of my body so that I can work out you know mm -hmm. it becomes really organic so that's I think it's I mean it's forget I can't imagine telling my younger self who is trying to diet the right way for you know for the last time to lose that 20 pounds that I didn't have to lose anyway I would, like, if I told that person, like, just let go and it'll be okay, there's no way that would have been convincing, but it's really been the solution for me. Well, so, like, a paleo diet, that's more like fish, eggs, vegetables type, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you pretty much are looking to avoid anything that breaks down as sugar in your body. So, mm. um... I don't eat any legumes, so no beans, no lentils, no chickpeas, anything like that. I don't eat any peanuts because peanuts are actually legumes. They are not nuts. Oh. This is a fact that I find very uh, very treacherous. Wow. I didn't know it until I was like 25 and it really broke my heart. Yeah. Um, so none of those, obviously no flowers, so no corn, no rice, no wheat, no, so no, nothing that is a flower. Mm. Um, what else don't I eat? I don't eat any sugar. 
Wow, so, so no processed sugar. So like um, you can eat mangoes, pineapples, you can eat that. Oh yeah, right? that's all good though. I eat all of that. Oh, you do? Okay, okay. Yeah, because you know what? I I uh, I made the call with myself. It's like I'm gonna eat this way. I'm willing to go in these in this world, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to deprive myself if I want something. So, like, naturally, I don't really go towards mango and pineapple, but I go towards berries and bananas. Like, that's a very, like, I need those in my life all the time. Mm -hmm. So I eat berries and bananas and apples. And bananas and apples, for example, are things that turn into sugar in your body. Yeah. But because of the way they break down, they don't cause inflammation in the same way as, let's say, you know, even something like healthy, like a healthy sweet, like a granola bar or, or like, you know, uh, a brand muffin with like a very, like if you're using, I don't know, a honey and a brand muffin to bake it, that will still break down the sugar for me and sugar in a way that I, that will cause inflammation. Oh, wow. Um, can you lose weight in a paleo diet? Yeah, so though? it's really interesting, but. Huh? I said, can you lose weight with a paleo diet? Like, can you lose weight with that? Because you're eating. I mean. You're not eating a lot of sugar, per se, though, right? Like, Well, the thing is, because um, because I'd already kind of stopped eating sugar because I thought that that would kind of help my inflammation, I don't, I still eat, like, I eat sweets. I eat paleo sweets. Oh, okay. So I still eat things that make, because I have a sweet tooth, so I, I, I want chocolate. <laughs> I want something like that, but I just learned okay. how to make those things without any sugar gotcha. so i use so much nut flour like i use coconut flour almond flour um i use like uh, ground flax seed i use um ground chia seeds mm-hmm. and it really like so but do i lose weight i don't know if i've lost weight um because i don't weigh myself because that's also a big part of uh i think when you when you experience eating disorders you I'm, I still have associations, like, mm, okay. I still don't weigh myself, I still don't look at, like, magazines of, like, fitness models, like, I still don't do that, because that'll just trigger me wanting to be thinner, do you know what I mean? Oh, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. And, like, I don't know if I can trust the number on the scale, like, because, for example, I have a lot of muscle, so I'm like, oh, if I weigh this much, does that mean that I'm a, I shouldn't leave my house because I'm a horrible, disgusting person, or does it just mean that I have some muscle mass you know wow and because i'm i can't tell the difference i just don't look at scales but um i the thing is what i will say i don't know if i've actually lost weight but what, what has happened is that i'm never bloated mm-hmm. okay i don't know if you experience because i mean like my wonderful week in new york was great but you feel bloated all the time anytime you oh yeah <laughs> yep. i don't eat dairy either so like dairy makes me feel bloated uh flour of any kind makes me feel bloated so Oh, yeah, I'm also allergic to soy because oh. soy makes me feel so bloated. Wow. And so I never feel bloated. So I don't know if I've actually lost weight, but I just, my body always feels good. You know when you wake up after, like, a really long sleep, you get to sleep, like, 10, 11 hours? Yeah. And your body's had time to kind of just, like, move through all the things you ate the day before? Yeah. You just feel good? Oh, so that's... I feel like that all the time. Wow. Wow. It's... Yeah, and I'm still eating, like, full big meals. Wow. So, like, do you have, like, a substitute for ice cream? So you say you can't eat dairy at all. Yes, Is there... I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> I just discovered it. I'm very excited about it. Oh, what is um, it? It's this company called Screaming Brothers. Okay. And they make an ice cream that is uh, coconut milk, uh, but there's no sugar in it. So oh. they have, like, a chocolate mint one. Because the flavors of chocolate and mint are so delicious together, you don't need any sugar. 
Because the coconut milk also is slightly sweet itself. That's how they make coconut sugar, which is also, like, as far as paleo is concerned, the best kind of sugar to use. Yeah. Um, so this this ice cream, it's, like, expensive. It's, like, eight bucks for a, for a pint. But whatever, you know, and I yeah. want ice cream. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's there for me. And it is delicious. Wow, that's awesome. I know, I think Aldi's, I think, has a... Uh, has a brand of ice cream. I forgot. I don't know if it's made from coconut milk though, but I heard about it. But it sound sounded appealing. I definitely want to try it. But yeah, that's the thing is, it's like they're really good. And and another thing I really hated about eating sugar because I love like I love sweets. But if you're eating like cookies, you have to automatically your body wants more right away because it wants to keep the sugar up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I wish that I could just enjoy them without having to like murder this entire bag, you know? <laughs> I know, you know, people you know, people talk about like cocaine and, and weed or whatnot, but sugar <laughs> sugar is a hell of a drug, man. It's it's it really is. It's, it's a hell of a, a drug. Listen, like I'm yeah. a recovered alcoholic. I've been sober for about thirteen years. Oh wow, and, congratulations. Uh, I was addicted. I was a cocaine addict. Wow. And sugar is just as hard. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you was like, you, no joke. Wow. So wait, you was an alcoholic and a cocaine addict as well? Mm-hmm. When I was like I got sober when I was twenty years old. Oh my god. So mm-hmm. wait, so you was how, how how old was you when you, you started? Like I was like Um so I started like drinking in a way that was destructive, I'd say when I was fourteen, fifteen. Oh my and god. And then I started doing drugs in a destructive way when I was eighteen. So it was a really quick kind of quick fall. I got really lucky really fast. My parents put me in treatment center and I got really lucky. Wow. Was it like the people around you or is it something that like they, they exposed you to it or something that you found on your own? I kind of like so I you know, I would do all the other drugs that were more accessible, like pot and like any kind of pills you do at high school in high school. But then um when I started doing cocaine I was working in restaurants as a hostess. Mm. But listen, like I've worked with a at a at a lot of restaurants with a lot of people. It's like you choose to go finding what you choose to go find. Yeah. It really wasn't the people because as soon as you start doing drugs in that way, you go find the people. Like, I went, I hunted them down. I was like, who's going to hook me up? <laughs> <laughs> hook a sister up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got this, like, teenager up. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that That's amazing, though. Like, how, and then, how long was you in rehab for? Like, for... I was in rehab for four months. Wow. Which is a long time. Usually, they do, like, a 28-day program, but the uh, the program I went to was a minimum three months, and like it's like you stay there, you live there, mm-hmm. and then with an optional fourth month, and then a two years of aftercare. And I've been in like twelve step programs ever since. Wow. Yeah, wow. I got really lucky because my personality type and my like relationship to authority, which is most people are like, I don't like authority. I'm like, I love authority. I'm like, yeah. tell me what to do. <laughs> um, so I, I really like rules. I really like an organized thing because it makes me feel safe. So 12 step stuff worked really well for me. And I got like, I got lucky because I was young enough to be scared enough. And also like, because my parents and I are really close. Like the idea of disappointing them was so huge that it gave me the right kind of motivation to kind of want to be a good girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I got lucky. That's because that combination of factors is like for the first couple years, 
to stay in. And then after that, I, you realize, again, it's kind of like the thing with paleo, with eating. I'm like, I feel so good now. Why would I want to mess this up? Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. You know, it, it kind of makes sense now because, you know, you're, you've been through a struggle and you've been in the situation from your, from your lows that, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting the high of being healthy. So it's like almost like in order for you to be that way, this has to happen this has to happen for you to be the way you're eating now and and the way yeah. you're just, you know, it's in, intaking your, your, your food and, you know, watching your diet, watching how you eat and the way how you feel. So, wow. But, um, yeah, you, you become really in tune. Like, there's no, there's no way of getting around it. It's like you can't, like, I don't know, like, there's years where I've been in denial about things. But once you stop being in denial about something, you can't really go back. It's like once you know, you can't unknow. So... It's great. It's like, yeah, three, you're absolutely right. It's like only when you hit the low can you kind of really appreciate the the stability of good living. Yeah. You know, there's also like for people, like regular people who's who who like try to go on a diet but then they can't, mm-hmm. but they have they haven't had an issue yet where it needs to be done. You know, like, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll diet next month. That'll be my new year's resolution. I'll lose weight this month, but you know, it's hard for people. And if your goal yeah. is to lose weight, usually that'll fuck up. You yeah. Know what I mean? Because yeah. like losing weight, usually some people want to lose weight. Like, you'll notice people who want to gain a little weight or lose a little weight because, like, they're not feeling strong or whatever. But usually it's about, I feel fat. Yeah. So I want to lose weight so that I'll be whatever we equate it to. We think, oh, I'll be a better person. I'll be more desirable. Whatever it is. When really it's like... How do I feel with myself? Also, I, I mean, the way I, the way we use food, it's like I have a bad day. So people either will have like a six pack or they'll have, you know, an entire chicken and then an entire cake so they don't have to feel their feelings. And it's like, then I get mad at myself because I'm fat or I, I believe I'm fat. It's like I was never fat when I was 100% sure I was obese. Mm. It's like the impression we have as well. Like when we go in the mirror, you know, and also... I mean, not to go too deep into it, but the American food industry and and North American, not just U.S., it's like it is made for us to eat food that doesn't feed us and that only convinces us partially for like a 10-minute period that we're full and then we're hungry again. And it is addictive food and it is full of hormones. So that's why it's like people eat, but they don't feel full, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's heartbreaking because then people get mad and they're like, oh, I suck. I have no willpower. But there's like there's corn pumped into everything. There's sugar pumped into every single thing. Mm-hmm. There's no way out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Vegetables are so expensive compared I know. to like hamburger helper, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also easy Ugh. and it's also yeah. it's, it's cheaper and easier to eat unhealthy than it is to eat healthy, you know? Because big time. You could you could get a McDonald's burger for like a dollar ninety nine or something like that. Or you exactly. could go to a Dunkin' Donuts, you know? And, you know, but even, if only you only needed one burger, you go ahead to McDonald's, and McDonald's is delicious, but it's like one burger won't make me feel full for a meal. I need about four. Yep, yep. You know, because it's like, what am I eating other than, like, this, you know, light pink tomato and a couple pieces of iceberg lettuce? Mm-hmm. It's literally all pumped with hormones, pumped with sugar, pumped with corn. Yeah. And it's like all of those things are made to make me want more food in about 10 minutes. Yeah. 
It's yeah. It, so it, yeah, people gotta start stop shitting on themselves. You know what I mean? Like we're all so mean to ourselves. You know? Yeah, mean to ourselves and mean to others, man. That's you know, mm-hmm. it's it's verbal abuse. It's 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 uh profile abuse you know you see somebody and then yep. you know people love to comment you know everybody yep. and their grandmothers have opinions about how somebody looks how somebody dress how somebody eats you know and it, you know i some- can hardly believe the way people who for example uh, are deemed fat the mm-hmm. way they're spoken to publicly by strangers mm-hmm. i can't like i didn't believe it before like I like until I saw it until I spoke to people who it happened to. Yeah. Like I could hardly believe it. Like I have some friends who are trans as well, and like the way people speak to them in like yeah. the middle of like we're in a large multicultural, very liberal city. Yeah. You th- you'd think that people who are transgendered would be safe here. Mm. And so you know I have a friend of mine and she's you know a beautiful woman and people are still I was like really this still happens I could hardly believe it because in my mind it's like in my mind. Racism doesn't happen because why would I know about it? I'm white. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's insane how much how much shaming goes on. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of shaming. Like even the city, even where I'm at in the Midwest, because they're not they're not exposed to culture, so like they have a preconceived notion of what you are or who you are or you know there's people who are already set in their ways because you know you have probably the same store that's been here for 50 years and they've never seen mm-hmm. any anybody different coming in or if they see somebody different coming in they're like oh my god what is that you know like yeah you know like i i, I could tell you how many times like when i moved in the midwest people thought i was a black man so i'm just like wow you know like <laughs> you're like you really have no idea and also they have no access to comparison yes 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 that's like, what shows are they watching what what are they engaging with you know online on tv only shows in america it's like now according to america mm-hmm. there are white people asian people black people and then finally hispanics yeah <laughs> yep. that's it that's the only that's and I, I, I should watch what i'm saying but no 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 like, totally it, fine it's, yeah it's um it's i'm really glad that that is slowly progressing yeah because it's like there's so many cultures. There's so many cultures that have been in this both our countries for so long that really like yeah. Okay, enough now. You I, know. I know. You, I, you, we can all make a, a, a minutia of effort. Yeah, I think and get to know this. You know. Yeah, I think that's what I miss about New York is just the diversity and the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know you could go walk one block, you have a Polish restaurant. The next block, an Italian restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. and and it's real Italian and real Polish, not. You know, somebody yeah. bought the name of it, and you know, it's and and real Italian. So like, I just miss. I think that's what I miss about the city is the diversity. But you're right. You know, people are gonna be people, and you know, that small percentage of people are gonna insult people, or you know. Yeah. I remember like walking down the street, you'll see two men holding hands together, two women holding hands together. Is like, you know, yeah. it's it's free. You know, it's just. Yeah. It's, Why did you move? Oh uh, well, because my wife wanted to be closer to her family, and okay. we have a child together. So um, the cost of living, yeah, the cost of living out here is much more affordable than the cost of living in New York City. So it's like, oh, for sure. yeah, living in New York, we was just like barely making it by. When I say barely, mm-hmm. I mean barely. So it's like you yeah. know, we didn't have enough money to go out. Just had enough money for rent, enough money for food, but. 
it, it was just, you know, I think if I was single, I probably still would be living in New York. But, mm-hmm. you know, with a family, it's... No, it's insane. Yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. I don't know how people do yeah. it. Like, they must... Some people do it if they have a really, really good job or or they, they're... they're living off of somebody's section eight or somebody or something like that, or, you know, yeah. they're living with roommates, but it's just hard to do, yeah. you know, if you don't really have a good job so hard. Yeah. You know, it's true. Like the only, the, when I, when I go and I have friends who live in Jersey and it's like the only way to kind of make them do is you live in like, you live just in, what is it called? West New York? Yeah. Like, well, like upstate or the upper West side, you mean, or? Yeah, like a, no, like in Jersey, like right across the the the, the water. Oh, like a, like a union or I'm trying to. Yeah, like we, yeah. I mean, it's like it's so close to get there. You take yes. one of those weird buses, but like it's like then you can afford to live. But it's like you have to make so many compromises where it's so nice to be able to kind of live somewhere and have a car and have yeah. a house and have a yard. Like there's. Yeah, it's really sacrifices. I mean, I love living in the city, and I'm I'm very I feel happy and privileged that I can. But like, and our prices in Toronto are very high, but they're like, I don't know, a third of what New York is. Whew, yeah, I know Toronto's a yeah. big city too. Is that is the cost of living there expensive as well, or it is? It's like wow. rent here, like especially in the past couple years, rent has doubled. Wow. So what used to be like nine hundred a month is now. Easily eighteen hundred a month. <laughs> That's how I was when I was when I was living in, when I was living in Queens. I was paying sixteen hundred for a one bedroom apartment. One bedroom. That's amazing. Really? That's amazing. Oh, that's expensive. Yeah. Really? Oh my God. For, for Queens, that's not bad. Yeah, and, and, and no, and, you know, it, it was good because I was in Sunnyside, Queens. So I don't know if you're familiar with Sunnyside, but no. I was I was like two blocks away from the train station, but it was mm. you know sixteen hundred, but for a one bedroom apartment, and and I, I would say the area was a nice area. It's more like a hip, it's more like a hipster area because there's a lot of uh-huh. sing, singles out there, a lot of bars, but. It was yeah. just so expensive. And then, you know, and in Queens, that area where I was at, like, you know, you could shop around there, but you got to take the bus to go to, like, the malls, mm. like the Queens Plaza Mall. And then you have all these bags. You got to come back on a bus. And, you know, yeah. you could do a cab, but then that's also money right there. If you take a cab, you take an Uber, that's exactly. also money right there. So it's just like, it's like, man, like, where am I winning at here? You know, because I, I feel, yeah, big time. you know, don't get me wrong. I love the city, man, but it's mm-hmm. just like. Ah, it's just like it'll rip you dry, you know. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, and also like at the same time, you don't feel like the city's working for you. Because the thing is, like, I'm you know you have your sixteen hundred a month, but you have to pay for your insurance. Mm-hmm. Like we, I, I I was hanging out with some uh, some Canadian friends who are now living in New York when I was there, and they talk about how how. Everybody pays about a thousand dollars a month, six hundred to a thousand dollars a month for insurance, and that we don't even think about that. Wow. Like I know it goes from our from our taxes, and so it's a yeah. very different layout. But at the same time, it's like oh, I, I, not only do I have insurance from the government, but I have insurance from my union. Mm. Like 
we're so well taken care of that like my rent might be high, but you know, it doesn't compare. And then, you know, there's people that have insurance and they never use it. <laughs> they don't even go to the yeah, doctor for, for a checkup or anything like that. But it's like, why have insurance? Like, if you're not going to check yourself out, like, you know, you check out your car every yeah. few, you know, few months to make sure it's okay. Like, you know, but there's yeah. people that have insurance and they don't really use it. So that's almost like a pet peeve. Like, oh, my God. You know? And now I just I didn't realize that the government charges you a fine if you don't have insurance. Really? I didn't. Wow. I didn't yeah. Know so I found out because my friend who's Canadian who's living there, um, if you don't have insurance and you're paying taxes, you get fined something like 500 bucks oh, or, or more than that. It must be more than that because it was substantial. It was like maybe a thousand. I don't know the fine, but he's like, well, you know, it's still better for me to get fined once a year, not have insurance, pay for my doctor's appointments when I go because when you're young and healthy you don't go that often yeah and like it still makes more sense to do that than it does to get insurance <sighs> oh my god I mean these are not my problems so I, yeah. I like I you know <laughs> respectfully nod yeah. and say yeah. oh wow that sucks but yeah Oh man, that's uh, yeah. It's 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 oh man, it, that's America for you. You know, it's it, there it's, you go. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, man. Um, you ever yeah. you ever thought um you ever thought about leaving Toronto or Toronto's it's where you're gonna stay for like the rest of your life at this point now? Um, I have no idea, and I'm really not attached. You okay. know, it's funny. I just um, I just uh, purchased an apartment here, um, which is wonderful. Um, but, uh, I feel no attachment, but I think that's because when, when I was little, we just moved around every bunch of years. So even if I like, am very much enjoying my time here, um, I don't feel like, uh, other than the fact that it's a very smart place to live mm -hmm. and that I really like, I, I like a very large city. Um, those are the things that really attract me to Toronto. Uh, I don't have any, like, if I, if somebody's like, hey, you know, we're shooting a show in Atlanta, come live here, I'd be like, great, you know, or, you know, how do you feel about going to Ireland for six months, I'd be like, sick, I have no qualms. Mm, okay, um, have you always, yeah. have you always been that way, like, do you, like, not, like, detach yourself, like, you don't really get sentimental about places, or... I get sentimental, but it doesn't stop me. It's like it's like a wonderful thing. You feel like for me, it almost feels like I've got collector cards. Like as opposed mm. to feeling like I'm leaving a place, I just feel like I I have it in my pocket now. You know, like I can come back. It's like a I have many many homes as opposed to feeling like I have one. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, um. Out of all your struggles, Rebecca, like. Um, you know, your cocaine addiction, um, alcoholism, what's the biggest takeaway that you learned about yourself? And um, what's like the biggest inspiration that, you know, because not, not everybody could do that. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm focusing on that. Not everybody could do that. Like what, what was the biggest takeaway that you, that you got from overcoming your um, disease? Well, I, I, you know, the, like the, the, um, the disease is always there. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's always like a, uh, is it always like a, a, like a struggle for you or is it? No, that's the thing. I think that's the biggest takeaway is that it's, it's, uh, anything that's hard at first, uh -huh. that's like a positive thing for yourself. Like I know, like, you know, the next right thing. So I know the next right thing. If I'm, you know, being unkind to myself in any way, the next right thing sometimes is like a habit or a discipline that will be hard at first, mm -hmm. but nothing stays difficult. Mm -hmm. 
you know? So it's like every single kind of transformation or change I've had to make in my life. Even like when people talk about building new habits. Yeah. Like, uh, and the last new habit I've put into my life is doing yoga in the morning. Mm, okay. For the first year, I hate it every single day. Yeah. But because I know that every single thing I've done that has been hard but, like, useful, mm-hmm. I felt I really struggled with it at first. Mm-hmm. I know it'll get good. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I have, I'm, I've been given in my life the gift of discipline. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'd say that the greatest takeaway has been, like, even if I, you know, fuck up every day, like, all is well. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, it's just, just, you know, every day is a new day. Every day keep trying. And it's like I... I really want to live in line with my principles, and I think that that's that's one of the most important things. And it's like, you know, if my if my if my if my guiding kind of principle is to, you know, be myself, and therefore kind of inspire other people to be themselves and be okay with being themselves, you know, at their truest baseline, you know, three-year-old child self, mm-hmm. you know, not the not the ones that have been like nurtured into whatever kind of defect that we pick up when we're little, but like that kind of like the, the just the, your best self. If that's, if that's my jam, then there's no amount of effort. That's, that's insufficient, you know? Yeah. You know, cause or I'm the no amount of effort. That's, that's too much for me. Yeah. I was like, cause my father died from alcoholism and he had oh, a very, I'm so sorry. no, it's all right. It's a couple of years ago. And he had a very addictive personality myself. I have an addictive personality myself. Mm. So I, when I do things, it's like I do things in, in, um, in excess. And I know my, like, I, you know, I know myself, like, I got to stop this because I know I, this could go to the extreme or this can, you know, like, I know myself. It's like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I guess it's hereditary. I don't know. I'm not a doctor that way. But I have an addictive personality where if I do something, I need to constantly do it or I need to feed feed it, whatever it is. Um, do you do you yourself have an addictive personality? Like when it comes, to, I guess not with something bad, you know, you know, for one to say, but like with work, with 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 you know, with your paleo diet, is that an addictive mm-hmm. personality for you? Do you feel like like you have to eat a certain way? Do you have to like, you know? Well, this is where I'm like very like on the ball with it because big okay. time. I'm fully, like, a, there's a, something my old sponsor used to say is, like, we're hardwired to activate addiction in all our affairs. Yes, yes, okay. So, and, that's like, that's great. great. Also, another thing to relieve, like, guilt is, like, it's not that I'm a bad person. It's, like, I'm hardwired to do this. And, you know, I do think that it's part of, like, your genes, and, and it is partially hereditary, although no one in my family and my parents are an alcoholic, but I do believe even if it skips generations, mm-hmm. the reality is it's, like, it's almost like if I know that I'm tired, I'm not going to get mad at myself if I drop a, my fork or if I forget something. Like, I know I'm tired. I know I haven't slept very much. I only slept two hours last night. I've got a lot of love and tolerance for myself. Mm. So it's the same way. It's like if I know that I'm hardwired to activate addictive patterns, I'm much more kind to myself. So I'm like, Rebecca, you're going to go and try to do this kind of style of eating. Mm. How do we be kind and generous with you? How do we make sure not to get rigid, not to get controlling? And so that's why, like, when you talk about pineapple and mango, that's a perfect example. It's like, yeah, I'm very, like, although I'm very disciplined, I try and stay lax. 
mm. a little bit because okay. as soon as I'm like holding on tight to something, it's bad news, you know? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, no, I'm with you. It's present. So that's why, you know, a lot of kindness to myself and, and a lot of like, you, they, there's this idea of like the kind parent to yourself. It's mm -hmm. like, what's the kind parent going to do? It's not going to let the kid eat only yogurt all day. You know, the <laughs> kind parent isn't going to like let me watch 17 hours of television a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There has to be a limit. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah. You know, yeah, but it's 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 always hard. It's always a struggle, but like you know, it's it's amazing that you could reflect on it and see, you know, see your past self and see yourself now and know that you're not gonna fall in that category again. But it's always, I think, it's always a struggle for people because you know it's easy to revert back to the way a person was. You know, like depending on mm -hmm. circumstances, depending on a bad situation, because if something yeah, bad happens, yeah, if something bad happens, it's like, you know what? This is going to be my go-to. Fuck this. I'm going to mm -hmm. this, you know? And it's, I don't know, it's, it's always hard, yeah. you know? And I don't know about you, but like the, I always go to the last one. So let's say like, let's say you, you like the life is, you know, has been made of like wins over obstacles, wins over like patterns, wins over addictive patterns or, or against demons. It's yeah. like when I have a day of, I call it the fuckets, when I'm like really <laughs> feeling like whatever, I don't care about anything. I go to the last addictive behavior that I got rid of. Oh, right. Yeah. So I don't like, it's funny. It's like, whatever is last. I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. I'm going to pig out today. So I go and I'll pig out and I'll pig out on things. But this is where like the, the healing has come in. I don't go pig out on things that make me feel sick. I know where I can get paleo junk food, which sounds like a, a contradiction, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat as many sweet potato chips and plantain chips as I want. Cause those are paleo, <laughs> but they still feel like junk food. So it's funny. Like I'm, I'm with you, and it's like, it's, it's, I love, like, even hearing that from myself, because when we come, like, I don't know about you, but, like, when I was younger and had less, less experience with trusting that things would get better, I would just go back to the darkest behavior. It's like, if, let's say, something wasn't going right, then I wouldn't eat for three days, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, so, <laughs> the fact that the way we're reacting now, like, the last addiction you pick up, is usually pretty pretty tame yeah compared yeah compared to yeah. others you know because there's a lot of addiction out there from like drugs sex you know yeah. um uh what else is there like well i guess drugs is in all categories but yeah man yeah but yeah. porn like yeah. people get addicted to like gaming yeah you know, yeah about living in a different world yes food is humongous like people really really quell their feelings with food and like get into the rise and fall of your glycemic index and just like just going after that over and over again you know yeah um speaking of like porn and sex like with with different roles have you have has anyone ever asked you to like nudity for roles is that something you would do or no is something you're against i have done nudity for roles um oh okay uh i don't i'm not particularly like too sensitive about that I think because my dad is a photographer um mm. he which is funny because as I told you earlier he wasn't into us living yeah for 26 years at the same place um but he uh so we we have nudes all over our my parents house 
they have just like beautiful he's a very talented photographer and just beautiful nudes so for me also growing up in france where breasts are shown everywhere like you yeah. go to any pool you go to any beach there's people that are only covering their bottom half yeah so the idea of having like breast nudity to me is not too crazy okay but um the what i and i was talking to somebody else about this who who um interviewed me for October because it's uh, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea of, like, because uh, being filmed, having, like, simulating sex versus being filmed nude are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And so being, like, and I've done this once only, and I was really lucky because my, my the, the actor I worked with is, a wonderful, wonderful man, and and was just so considerate and himself quite like, like nervous about doing it and wanting to do it really well. Mm -hmm. um, and the director and Netflix as the whole were really wonderful with it. Um, so I felt very, very like loved, seen, and taken care of. And also with our um, with our union here, we have an actra representative on set with us. So oh, you feel very taken care of. And um, it's what I find would be difficult if like the choreography or the scene hadn't been discussed before, you feel kind of caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And feel caught off guard with no clothes on versus feeling caught off guard with clothes on, again, yeah. much more vulnerable. <laughs> um, so I felt really, really safe. I, I've heard a lot of friends of mine have had experiences where they don't feel less safe. But for me, it's like, it's more, is this gratuitous? Is this necessary for the story? You know, does this bring a lot to the story? Is this also, you know something I want to do and feel okay doing. Mm. And for me, like, I don't, I haven't had too many situations where somebody's like, I'll give you this amazing part if you dance around naked and let five people fuck you. Like, that's not happened to me, so yeah. I haven't had to make those decisions that some people will consider difficult. Yeah. So, it's been pretty, like, it's, I've been pretty much in, a, in an easy flow, you yeah. know? Okay, okay. Because there's a lot of, like, like you said, there's, torture porn roles like the I Spit in Your Grave movies or whatnot, that's that's really like hard yeah. to watch. Really like <laughs> you can't even I, I, I couldn't even get yeah, through it can be crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. And it's like it's funny that this is a mainstream movie. Like I'm just I'm currently shooting a really fun um uh feature that is like um fully grindhouse. But okay. imagine a grindhouse film with all of the fun of like the campy killing, the the you know slightly stereotypical characters, um, but without any of the sexualizing. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's it, like the women are still uh, sexy and 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 uh, sensual, but there's no nudity. Mm -hmm. There's no suggested sex. Um, it's it's really it's like the the director I'm working with his name is Ryan Andrews he's just really really wonderful and it's just a beautiful a beautiful kind of reinvention of a kind of gory grindhouse film because so often as you're saying it's like so often it's like insanely violent sexualizing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah like don't get me wrong I'm a big fan of the Devil's Rejects but. There are certain there are certain scenes in it where it's just like it's just cringy, you know. But you know, yeah. it's and is it necessary? Yes. Like, can you not get the point across yeah. in a, like a slightly more PG way? Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's true. Like you know, I, I guess you know, 
you know, there's there's people who like those kind of scenes. And like they're, you know, I, I, like me, I'm a person that who loves killing. Like you know, uh, like Jason snapping the spine or something like that. I don't know what that says about me, but you know, it, you know, I love like watching certain killings. But like with certain, I don't know. I guess because I have a daughter, I don't know. But like, I don't know, like the rape culture and like those revenge porn, like revenge scenes. Like oh, they they just get me. Yeah. Ugh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. How old is your daughter? I have a, I have a 19-year-old um, a and a 7-year-old. So my 7-year-old is still with me. Both yeah. girls? Yes. <laughs> both girls, oh, yeah. Oh, that's so fun. You know, I, I, always said, I always said I got two girls because I was bad in high school. So, you know. There you go. <laughs> you know, not, that's wonderful. Yeah. Not everybody's a saint. That's always said. So, like, you know what? You got two girls. You deal with it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a, you know. It's, exactly. It's it's a it's a blessing though it's a blessing you know. For sure. You know. And the thing is, it's because like obviously you're so passionate about film, it's like it really offers you a different perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, because probably probably I would have liked that sort of thing. I guess if I didn't have girls, I guess I don't know. I like I'm just I'm just guessing, but like you know, yeah. matter, matter of fact, even or you wouldn't be as sensitive to it. Yes, yes, because I and I even think about it before I like, when I didn't have any children, I wasn't. Like, it didn't bother me as much. I don't know. It, it, it didn't. It actually didn't. But, like, you know, I, I can still watch killings. Like, there's no problems. But stuff, yeah. stuff, with, stuff with rape and, like, harming, or harming a woman, that it, it kind of is cringy. It bothers me now. You know, it's cringy. Like, yeah. I, like, I don't know if yeah, you... Yeah, it's not. It just feels yeah. overwhelming. Yes, yes. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the unrated Halloween from Rob Zombie, but... There's a scene in there that's really bad. I was like, oh, my God. Really? You know, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the unrated one, but there's a scene. So, in... to tell you the truth, I am terrified of horror movies, so I don't wow. watch them. Oh, really? Oh, okay. That's yeah, a, like, that's a way horror to... is fine, and I, and I don't mind, like, um, all kinds of grindhouse stuff, but anything that's actually scary, I can't watch. Wow. Anything with ghosts, anything with, like, uh... Like people being taken over by the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny because my wife can watch. She cannot watch movies about rape or torture or a woman getting sexually molested, but she could watch a lot of ghost stories. Like we'll watch Ghost Adventures, we'll watch Ghost Hunters. You know, we'll watch movies really? like The Shining. Yeah, it's 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 just so. I guess it's it's all subjective. It's it's weird that way. Yeah. You know. I can watch, so uh, the show I recommended to you, Unbelievable, maybe don't watch it with your wife because it's about, like, a serial rapist. Oh, boy. But see, that I can watch no problem, but, like, just, I couldn't watch The X-Files. <laughs> oh, but with, but with Unbelievable, do they show anything, or it's a Netflix thing, right? They don't... <sighs> yeah, they don't show it badly oh. at all, like, okay. it's all very tactful. Okay. Um, but because the actors and actresses are so talented, it's like you convey so much of like what they went through. Oh, the emotion, yeah. Yeah, but you'll be able to be like, uh, shut your eyes for this part, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, because I remember like I took her. She was so mad at me. We went to go see. This was a, a long time ago. The Hills Have Eyes when it came out in the theaters, the remake. For, um. And there's, uh, I don't know, I guess you haven't seen the movie, but um, no. there's this, 
horrible scene with the with the mother oh, no. and 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 the daughter and 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 birds and it was just like she was like why do you take me to this this shit you know and then like <laughs> she walked out the theater like crying because it's just you know it was just it was I, I guess you know for certain people it's just very some people are certain sensitive about things like that you yeah. know so yeah it it it's whatever it, stays with you you know what I mean it's like the images that stay in the like when you go to bed at night, just keep haunting you. Yeah. Whatever it is, whether it's like what your wife is afraid of or, you know, what I'm terrified of, which is quite large in category. It's like it yeah. just stays with you at night. So I'm like, I don't want to have to sleep with my light on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's true, though, but, it, it, but then it makes you think, like, man, these actors are either good fucking actors or they're really into yeah. this, you know, like, it's like, it, it blurs the line. Yeah. You're like, wow, this is it's just so amazing. Yeah, you and know? it's amazing. Like, I love acting in horrors. I love it because I am so easily scared that it's yeah. really, like, I can, I, it's easily accessible to me. Wow. <laughs> But uh, like watching them, I you know I I haven't watched any of the horrors I've been in. Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> Even reading the script, I gotta like read it backwards with the light on in the middle of the day. Oh my God, Rebecca! <laughs> <laughs> you big baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my no, God. No, no, it's fair. It's fair. It's a funny thing. Wow. Um, I'm winding down, Rebecca. Um. Um, what is it, what, what, what is it, um, about, like, what, what, what are the best qualities about yourself and the worst qualities about yourself? Hmm. Um, I'd say that the worst quality about myself, there are two. Wow. Only okay. two. Um, no, there's, like, I'm, I'm controlling. Oh. So it's, like, the other side of that kind of, uh, like, wanting to just be, be, like, cleansed and good and kind of, like, the what you were talking about, like the addictive pattern, I'm on the flip side of that, that I'm controlling with myself. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is that I think it's gone away more now than it was when I was younger, but righteousness, like I can be a bit righteous. Like I can, I can think I know what's good for other people. Mm. I can think I know what's good for, for myself. And like, so I can be a bit judgmental. Mm -hmm. So those are the two negative qualities I'd say. And uh, positive qualities, I, I, I'm, I, I really like people. I get along with everybody. Um, and, uh, I'm really open-minded and very, you know, like, just like, I'm just gung-ho. I'm just a happy person to, to do anything. Anything I say yes to doing, it's because I mean it. You know what I mean? It's because I want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, my I'd say are the positives, yeah. Oh, okay. And my final question for you is, what would the Rebecca of today tell the Rebecca of yesterday? Good question. Um, again, just like chill out and trust. Chill out and trust. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, wow, Rebecca, I, I enjoyed our conversation. Um, um, Me too. It was great. Yeah. Um, plug your social media. Plug anything you have upcoming. Sure. Yeah. Um. So my social media is on Instagram is Rebecca Amzalag. So. Um, just my full name and uh the next project i have i have two projects coming out um the first one is called raised by wolves it's a short directed by cameron noble it's going to be amazing that'll probably do the uh the film uh like uh it'll be a circuit of, of film festivals mm -hmm. um and then the other movie that will be coming out probably in 2020 
Um, it, I can't say the name yet, oh, but, okay. um, because we're keeping the, the title under wraps, but the director is Ryan Andrews, and, um, and I will make sure to, as soon as I'm allowed to reveal more about it, I will um, talk about it on my social media. Oh, I, I definitely would love to have you back again, and we could just talk some more. You're amazing. For sure. I know. I'd be glad to. Well, especially after that movie comes out, because I'll be able to talk about it, and it's really fun. Oh, okay. Uh, Rebecca, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation, and um, the best to you. And, you know, you sort of remind me of Vera... You. you. sort of remind me of Vera Farmiga a little bit. I don't know if anybody ever told you that. Yes, yeah, so it's not the first time I've heard that one. Really? <laughs> I'll take it. She's the best. Oh, okay, okay. All right. I, I was like, wow, she sorta. It looks like it's weird, you know. But yeah, like, big yeah. time. I found her, and um, there's another French actress named Emmanuel Beard, who is in like the first Mission Impossible. Oh, anyway, she's the other okay. Lookalike. Wow, you know how everybody has a doppelganger, so you know. Yeah, I'll take them. I'll take them. I'm like, I love doppelgangers. I think it's so fun. <laughs> no, but but you know, but you have your own quality as well, though. You know, I'm not saying true, that, true, you know. True, 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 true. <laughs> you know, so you know, um, I wish you best success in your work, and I look forward thank to you. seeing you down the tube. <laughs> Absolutely, and thank you so much for chatting. No problem. I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.